Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch your Listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big all Monday Memorial Day. If you've got the day off, congrats, enjoy it. Hopefully, you know you're making part of us, uh, you're making us part of your day today on the this day of remembrance. Uh, so. We'll be breaking down the NBA of what happened yesterday. We're, we'll be looking at today's action, doing our moneymaker for that. We'll also be finally, finally wrapping up our NFL draft grades, finishing up with the NFC South today, and then we're completely done with that. Um, and then what uh, we're also going to do today is uh, today's Memorial Day. So, you know, companies, teams, everybody's going on Twitter and Facebook saying, you know, happy Memorial Day. You know, uh, we, you know we honor and respect the soldiers that have fallen in in combat and all that uh so we're gonna look at all the nfl teams memorial day tweets and kind of you know decide who's the best you know uh you know it's like a fine line of remembrance and you know recognition and like trying to clout chase a little bit so we're gonna see which team did it the best i mean we gotta see some high quality posts here i don't want to see a low quality post of memorial day from an nfl team i mean because then it means that they didn't really care in the first place to do it so that's what we're going to do today also on the show, looking at every single NFL team's Memorial Day tweet and then crowning a winner and uh, seeing who, which team had the best Memorial Day close, the classiest, while also kind of, you know, getting their symbol in there, while also getting the message across. So it is kind of a fine line there that we'll try to decipher as we go through them. But we're going to do that uh, today on the show. Um, so let's just jump right into it today. And this is what we are starting with. We will be looking at every NFL team's Memorial Day tweet. But before we do that, let's know the actual meaning of Memorial Day. So we're all on the same page. And as we go through these, we can kind of apply it. So Memorial Day. A day on which those who died in active military service are remembered. Traditionally observed on May 30th, but now officially observed on the last day, at, uh, on the last Monday in May. So, a day on which those who died in active military. Now, before we get into this, I do want to, you know, give my respect and thanks to all those in the military now and definitely those who have unfortunately died in active military service. I mean, I respect the hell out of all the service members out there. I do not have the, enough courage or bravery to do what they do to fight for an entire country's um, way of life and right to live free and open. So, I do, you know, this this segment's not about disrespect or anything like that. I truly want to, you know, preface it by saying, you know, I truly respect on everything they do and um, the families that have actually lost uh, military service members. So with all that being said, you know, this is just, you know, for, you know, I don't want to say fun because, you know, Memorial Day, you know, what it actually is, is, you know, heavy of remembrance. But let's just, you know, light it up a little bit, you know, just go through these. So. I truly mean no disrespect by doing this segment, but uh, we are going to go through every single of the NFL's teams, Memorial Day tweets, 
see which one's the best. We're going to go through division by division, picking the winner, the one that has the best, that you know signifies true remembrance while also not trying to take too much away from the original significance of Memorial Day while also not putting their logo just in the center and saying we remember because you know then you're promoting your brand instead of promoting the actual day so that's what we're going to do right now looking at all the NFL teams tweets here like I said breaking it down by division so we'll go through uh, have uh, picked the best out of the four teams in that division and then we'll do We'll take those four, the, those best of every division, and then do it one for the NFC, who won the NFC, who won the AFC, and then once we have those final two, we'll see who had the best Memorial Day tweet. So here we go. Let's just jump right into it. We're going to start with the NFC North first. So first up is the Detroit Lions. All righty, little classy. Um, <clears throat> We're not going to do the tweet. We're just going to do the image, the picture of the tweet. If they're kind, if there's two teams that you know really have great pictures, we'll use the actual tweet, the words that they accompanied with the picture as a tiebreaker. But let's start here with the Lions. Just kind of a classic. You can barely even tell from this picture that it was the Detroit Lions. So a little bit of a knock there. We still we we want you to have your brand in there, but it doesn't. It can't be the focal point. So the big flag right here, kind of a plain tweet that just says remember and honor Memorial Day. So it's a solid remembrance picture, but nothing that really clarifies that it is the Detroit Lions. So a little bit of a knock there. Alrighty, the Vikings are up next. And, you know, once again, a little bit of a low effort post here of a picture. We're going to get into some good pictures. You know, I try not to, you know, see them all, but I did have to look for them to see them. Uh, but this one of the Vikings, a little, you know, a little plain Jane out here. Not a lot of effort. You got the servicemen out here. I like that. You've got the kind of brand of the Vikings just as uh, Memorial Day. Remember, honor. There's no happy Memorial Day. It's just Memorial Day. So, over the Lions, I think uh, I think we're gonna take. Uh, well, I gotta give it to the Vikings because we know it's the Vikings. They've got their uh, they got their little emblem, their logo in the front. So Vikings is better than the Lions. Let's keep going. Uh, the Chicago Bears. Ooh, okay, we got some flags. It's out in front of Soldier Field. I mean, what, you can't get any Memorial Day than that. No, Soldier Field. You've got the Bears logo at the bottom, not really taking too much away from it. Um, honoring our fallen veterans, great right there. Not just, you know, classic Memorial Day boilerplate type stuff. So Bears are winning the NFC North so far. But we got one more team, and that's the Green Bay Packers. All righty. <clears throat> Once again, another picture from inside the field. That's what I kind of like to see, you know. That's the subtle the subtleness of you know the team right there just having you know our our field in the in just in the picture with uh, we see the blue angels right here i'm sure these I, i'm pretty sure these are the blue angels just four jets I'm going to call it the Blue Angels throughout, so uh, be ready for that. But, uh, yeah, you got servicemen honoring the flag, raising the flag, and it's a pretty kind of, you know, artsy picture a little bit. Memorial Day, remember and honor. You got Green Bay's logo at the top, you know, doing a little bit too much with this logo, in my opinion. You've already got the Lambeau Field. Did you really need the Green Bay Packers logo at the top? But uh, the winner of the NFC North, the Bears or the Packers, and we're going to go... We're going to go the Packers here because I do like that they've got the servicemen right there. They've got the flag. They've got the fighter jets. I'm loving all that. So congratulations to the Packers. Have the best NFC North Memorial Day tweet. We'll see if they can be crowned the champions. So now let's move on to the NFC West. And all right, folks, there are a couple of teams that by 1130 
at the end of when I collected all these tweets here, they have not tweeted yet. There's a couple of teams that have not tweeted yet, and that's the ultimate disrespect. No, no. So let's see if the 49ers have tweeted in the last half hour. If you don't tweet by the time we see you, you're disqualified, obviously. I mean, if when, when did these other teams tweet? Lions tweeted 8 o'clock in the morning. Vikings tweeted at 9.25 in the morning. Bears did it at 9 o'clock right on the dot. That was a scheduled tweet, you can tell. And the Packers, 9.45 a.m. Once again, probably a scheduled tweet, right? On a nice round time number. But let's update. Let's refresh this 49ers page. Did they get one off just in time? Oh, they did. Well done. Well done. Just sneaking it in here. When did they officially tweet this? 11.30 a.m. So just making the cut here, 49ers. So we will definitely take your submission. And it's kind of very plain Jane out here. You got the flag, Memorial Day, Remember and Honor, the logo at the bottom, no servicemen, nothing like that. So really kind of a poor last second effort, 49ers. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. Not very good. So this one's going to be an easy one to beat. But, I mean, the Cardinals, they didn't have one either by the time we compiled all these. So, let's refresh their page. Did they get a submission in? They did not. They have not. Come on, Arizona Cardinals. No tweet. No respect. No respect. Come on. Their last tweet. This was the Cardinals' last tweet that's so more important than Memorial Day. It's retweeting J.J. Watt, who was watching the Suns-Lakers game. That's it. That's their last tweet, a retweet of what J.J. Watt was watching yesterday. Okay. All right, Arizona. So, shame on the Cardinals, the utter disrespect. We're definitely going to be highlighting them and keeping tabs on which teams that did not honor our fallen military service. Absolutely dis disrespectful, disgraceful, truly. Um, Alrighty. So, I mean, the NFC West out here is not getting great representation. The 49ers had an absolutely trashed one. The Cardinals didn't even bother. But let's go to the Rams here. Real kind of generic as well. Big old flag in honor of our heroes. Oh, I do like that. Nice little twist on it. Not just remember and honor. In honor of our heroes. Memorial Day. Uh, the Rams logo at the top. But no veterans. No fighter jets. No, you know... Uh, no picture of your stadium with all the servicemen in there like we saw with the Packers. But it is, I think, a little bit better than the um, the 49ers just because this Rams one has in honor of our heroes. And they are truly heroes out there. So um, we're going to have the Rams the front runner here. But we got one more team here in the NFC West. And that is the Seahawks, who once again did not have a submission by the time we compiled all these tweets. So let's refresh and let's see if Seattle puts something out real quick. And once again, they did not either. What is going on here? The NFC West does not respect America. Unbelievable. So Seattle and the Cardinals, you can't trust the birds out here. Unfortunate. So uh, Rams kind of getting by here with a simple submission that uh, will win because everybody else didn't really even participate. The Seahawks last week. Well, this was from May 28th, so they kind of got the jump a little bit. But this was their last tweet. May 28th, honoring our heroes, Seahawks staff members, and representatives from, from each Task Force 12 organization helped build a playground for the children of local military families affiliated with Heroes Homestead. And then it's a three-minute video. All right, we're just doing Memorial Day stuff, so I guess they kind of got something in here. Not what we're looking for. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, they still did not have a Memorial Day post. 
can't get the early jump on it, folks, and then, you know, pretend like the day doesn't even happen. So, <laughs> uh, so the Seahawks are disqualified, and the Rams will win the NFC West kind of by default a little bit. It, 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 it's going to be probably one of the worst winners out here, but... Let's keep going. Let's head over to the AFC West here and see what uh, the AFC, let's see if the AFC is bringing their game because the NFC so far, kind of lackluster. So here we go, AFC West. Starting with the Broncos. Alrighty, once again, a little bit of a basic tweet here. Memorial Day, all kind of in black and, or white and kind of a blue. It's not even black and white. It's like a shade of blue, but Memorial Day. Remember and honor those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. Oh, I love that line right there. Remember and honor those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. But once again, it's a little plain Jane, black or blue and white, just a flag, big old Broncos logo right in the middle of the screen. Eh, it's, it's eh, it's eh. Let's see who's up next here in the NFC or AFC West. The Chargers, they did not have one, so we got to re-update their page. Did they get a submission in? And they did 19 minutes ago. I mean, pushing the clock right here. Tweeting it at 11.54 a.m. So let's see what they got here. Ooh, I love it. This is what I want to see inside the stadium. You actively practicing, you know, um, honoring of America's troops and armed forces and every active military um service man or woman out there so that's what i like to see nice little um inside the stadium with the american flag on the jumbotron there memorial day honoring those who served eh, it really kind of memorial day is really like we said i mean that's why we have to kind of get the actual meaning here it's a day on which those who died in active military this is kind of their day not just you know general military service those who have made the ultimate sacrifice like what the the broncos said right here so i think um the chargers missed a mark just a tad here on what memorial day is i mean talking about doing that at 11:54 a.m and then not even really truly getting it right so where I don't like what the Chargers did. I'm having the Broncos over the Chargers here. Let's go to the Raiders now. Once again, they, I mean, how does the Raiders not even have anything up yet? So we got to refresh their page here and see if they updated anything last second. And they did. And here we go. 14 minutes ago, uh, 12 o'clock PM, literally right at the deadline almost. So uh, Memorial Day, remember and honor, basic tweet here with the flag and the logo under. Once again, just basic here. I'm giving it to the Broncos so far in the AFC West. But one more team here maybe can upsur them, the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is what we're talking about. I love the photo here. You got the Jets, the Blue Angels up top, the fireworks, the flag that covers the entire length of the field. Uh, you know, all of your fans cheering for the flag, the symbology of that. But they kind of missed the mark a tad here because there's no Memorial Day here on this picture. And we're only taking the picture, folks. We're not doing anything with the tweet, the wording itself, if it's not on the picture. So... They missed a mark a little bit there, so I think by default we're going to have to give it to the Broncos. It's not the best picture, but it is the best kind of message on the picture, which we are, you know, that's what we are officially grading. So we're going to give it to the Broncos here for the AFC West Memorial Day. Remember and honor those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. What a line right there, folks. That is truly what Memorial Day is about. So we're going to give the Broncos credit there, and the Broncos will be the best of the AFC West. <coughs> Alrighty, next uh, division up, we're going to the AFC East. 
And the first team up is the Dolphins. Alrighty, big old aqua uh, filter over a flag in the background, honoring our heroes. I love that, calling them heroes. Yes, sir. Uh, you got servicemen in attendance here on the field. Just uh, kind of, you know, nothing great picture. It's nothing fantastic. It's solid. It's a solid picture here for the Dolphins. So let's go to the Jets now. Honoring Memorial Day, May 31st, 2021. All right, did y'all need the date? They're the only team that has included the official date so far. But once again, a little bit of a of a club, easy, not really too big picture here. Honoring Memorial Day, you got a jet with red, white, and blue coming out of it. Uh, Jets logo at the top with five stars. Kind of a basic picture, not really truly inspiring. Then we go to the Bills, and ooh, I kind of like this a lot. Bills, we remember, and that's kind of what Memorial Day is, remembrance of those who have fallen. So I can get behind that. The Bills logo in black and white, not trying to take too much away. The kind of photos kind of grayscaled a little bit, except the American flag on the field. That's in full color, and I think the Bills are at the top of the AFC East so far. But we got one more team, and that's the Patriots. And uh, the Patriots, I mean, they did a video. And a little video here. Did they do an official? Let's go back here. See if they just did a little uh, picture. No. They got a video, and you know, kind of going a little above and beyond. This uh, video, 34 seconds, infinite gratitude. Robert and Josh Kraft, joined by representatives from the town of Foxborough, honored our fallen heroes during a wreath-laying ceremony at our Patriots Place Flag Garden this Memorial Day weekend. Now, this is absolutely great. I do like this, but it's like a video and it's kind of going above it's kind of going a little bit too much here. We're just kind of focusing in on the pictures. So I think for that the Patriots did a little bit too much here. And we're gonna give it to the Bills. Kind of a classy, clean picture here, not taking away from anything, really driving home the message, and uh, we'll give it to the Bills. Alrighty, we're heading to the AFC South now. Alrighty, what team is up first? We got the Titans, and yes, sir, loving it here. Memorial Day, remember and honor. They've got the uh, um, uh, America-shaped flag on the field. I'm loving it. Classy, solid picture here. Not taking too much away from the actual message. So the Titans, a good submission here. We get the Colts. Uh, kind of a hard break down the center of this picture. On the left side, remember and honor and Memorial Day. And then on the right side, they do have the flag with the servicemen. But it's kind of just uh, an easy, it's like they sandwich two pictures together, not really making it too intricate here. So uh, I don't think the Colts is that great over the Titans. So we're giving it to the Titans so far. Uh, Texans up. Once again, a little bit of a basic photo here. Nothing too elaborate. Memorial Day, remembering our fallen heroes. Getting the message truly right there. Uh, black and white uh, flag in the background with Memorial Day and the Texans logo in full co color. Do what the Bills did. Not take. I mean, you're kind of presenting your logo in front. Once again, kind of putting your brand above the message a little bit. That's kind of the criteria. That's not the criteria we're looking for. We're looking for the message above the brand. Still getting in the brand there a little bit, but not making it the main focal point. So, so far, we're giving it to the Titans here for the AFC South and then the last team up. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who are more concerned with AEW wrestling and having Tim Tebow signed, and they can't be bothered by getting a message out here. So let's update it. Let's see if they got it in real last second. And they have not. 
They have not. Their last tweet was May 29th, focusing on one of their rookies. Too tough, I think. Who's this? Is this, uh... Who is this? Bap uh, yeah, uh, they're shouting out Baptist Health, and they're not even doing anything with Memorial Day. So we're going to talk about the Jaguars. They just, uh, AEW, I don't know if you're uh, all aware, that's all elite wrestling, this new brand that's trying to compete with the WWE. Uh, they had a uh, big old event last night, and they were fighting inside the Jaguar Stadium. Urban Meyer's office. They took it to Urban Meyer's office, and they were fighting in there. But they are too, they're, uh, they're too you know, busy with all the publicity of Tim Tebow and making money on his jersey sales and making money off the AEW event that they can't even remember our fallen heroes? Disrespect, Jacksonville. So, big old disrespect here from the Jags. We will be marking that. We are noting that they do not respect our fallen heroes out here. And we'll give the best one of the AFC South to the Titans. They've got the best one. Truly disappointed in the Jags that they couldn't even be bothered to get a Memorial Day tweet up here. Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. Alrighty, let's go to the next division here. The AFC North. First one up is the Bengals. Alrighty, on the field in the middle of the logo. Doing it right. Memorial Day all in orange. Remember and honor. Their logo's in black and white. You've got servicemen raising up flags. you got kind of a, uh, a, a flag in the background as well. This picture really hitting all the marks here. I'm loving it. Bengals, fantastic job. Then we go to the Steelers. All righty, a nice picture here. Memorial Day, remember and honor. All right, servicemen on the field holding up the flag, but it's all in kind of white, or it's all in gold and black. The logo's in color. Everything else is in black and white. Mm, I think we're liking the Bengals a little bit better here. Alrighty, the Ravens love it on the field. Flag, angels, flag kind of in the clouds as well. Memorial Day front and center. Really great picture here, but you've got the at Raven sign as like a watermark at the top right of the photo. That's going a little bit too much on your brand. You're, you're, you're shouting out your Twitter page, at Ravens. Just have the logo there. We don't need any more than that. So I think they're going a little bit too, too heavy on their own brand a little bit here in the picture taken away overall from the overall message and we're liking the Bengals so far but we got one more team here in the AFC North which is the Cleveland Browns who did not have a tweet by 11:30. so let's update this you had another hour folks you had an extra hour here let's see did the Browns do anything no the Browns don't even send out a message so not great here for the Browns they're getting marked down that they did not do anything here for Memorial Day and the Bengals will be the best team in the AFC North for their Memorial Day message I like it uh but the Browns last tweet what was their last tweet the top 75 moments number 66 Browns defeat Ravens for the first time in franchise history. That's more important than honoring our fallen heroes. What you've done in your career? In your franchise history? The first time you've beaten the Ravens? I'm not liking it. The disrespect out here. So, truly disrespectful here by this uh, Browns team. No message. Disrespect. Alrighty, we got two more divisions left. Let's go to the NFC South now. Here we go. Carolina and man, man, I love this picture a thousand percent. Unfortunately, you do have to take the tweet with the picture. 
the tweet today and every day. Ooh, I love that today and every day. It's not just today. It's not just today. It's every day. And, you know, that's kind of why we're doing this because, you know, virtue signaling, they're doing it on Memorial Day to get the clout. That's kind of why we're doing this. But today and every day, we honor those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Man, um, that's the tweet. That's the tweet. This is the best one. But unfortunately, we are just going on the picture here. And it's just an underneath shot of the Panther statue outside of their stadium. And it's fantastic. This is one of the best photos out there. This is fantastic. But there's no other Memorial Day. You have to take the tweet with the picture. And unfortunately, that's just not the criteria we are judging here today. So unfortunate. But uh, a great overall message. So I do want to shout out the Carolina Panthers. Great tweet. Unfortunately, that is not what we are basing the message on. Alrighty, so we go to the Bucks now. Ooh, what a picture here. The sh sun shining through the clouds. Always remember um, a huge flag here. You could barely even tell where this is. I had to snoop around in this picture a little bit, but they got their brand in there slightly, slimly. You wouldn't even tell if you didn't zoom in on the picture here. You have to go all the way to the, the go Bucks at the, at the mid-left section, all the way to the left here. And you can still barely see it, but I'm loving this picture. Always remember the shining through the clouds. What a what a picture! Like if, if y'all are just listening to this, look at the Bucks Memorial Day picture. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, the flag is really the main source here. Always remember, and I'm loving what the Bucks did here. So they're going to be front runners here of the NFC so uh, South. Then we go the Falcons. They got four pictures. Four? Really? Doing a little bit too much here. The flag with the Falcons in the background is the first picture. This picture is fantastic. Um, inside Falcon Stadium, they got some, uh, I, I, I want to say these are kind of like uh, uh, badges. I don't know what they all signify, but I'm assuming it's good. <laughs> They've got the flag on the Jumbotron. Uh, people are in the stands. Fantastic. Picture number three, servicemen running out with the flag, but then they also got the Rise Up Falcon flag in the back. Once again, out, you know, kind of their brand is outshadowing the message a tad. And then the last picture, yeah, I mean, they, they've got the Falcon running out in front of the servicemen. <laughs> the brand is coming first out here. And then in none of these pictures do they say Happy Memorial Day or anything like that. No honor, respect, uh, honoring our fallen heroes, nothing in any of those pictures. And they put four of them there. So doing a little bit too much out here, Atlanta. Uh, their tweet was to those who gave all, you will never be forgotten. Now, that's a great message. That's a fantastic message. Unfortunately, we are just judging the picture. So, so far, the Tampa Bay Bucks have it. And then the Saints, the last year of the NFC South. Uh, once again, kind of a plain message out here. Memorial Day, honor, remember. Um, they got the pylon in the background, a lot of flags. But uh, just kind of a basic photo out here. So we're going to give it to the Bucs. An absolutely great photo that you could barely even tell it's the Bucs. And that's kind of what we're talking about. They got that subtle, subtle brand in there by having the Go Bucks at the very left. And you have to zoom in to even see it. And that's what we're talking about. Not taking away from the actual message. We'll give it to the Bucks here for the NFC South. Alrighty, then the last division, and then we can start crowning our winner here. Um, the NFC East, last division here, and the first one up is the Cowboys, and they got to go big and hard, right? Alright, so here we go. Their picture in Cowboy Stadium, just the flag, and then their logo on the Jumbotron on all sides. They just got the big flag. There's no Memorial Day in the picture. 
So, uh, just, uh, you know, once again, it's in the tweet. On this Memorial Day, we remember and honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Once again, that's a great message, but we're just looking at the photo because that's where the eyes are going. That's where all the attention is going first. And then you kind of read the tweet because you're always going to see the picture first over the words. So, uh, Cowboys, a little little bit of a basic uh, picture out here. Uh, The Eagles, same thing, just a picture of the flag in their home stadium. Um, no Memorial Day words written on the picture, unfortunately. The tweet, though, is a decent one today and every day. Once again, today and every day, we remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice. Did they copy and paste what the, uh, what the Panthers said? Today and every day, we honor those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Now, the Panthers had the American flag emoji, classing it up a little bit, and the Eagles just end their sentence with a period. So, a decent picture here. I'll give it to the Cowboys. Uh, more of an, uh, more of a flashier picture. Um, but still, no Memorial Day on the picture, unfortunately. Let's go to the Giants here. Basic picture, Memorial Day. Giants logo, flag kind of in the background. All right, nothing great. And then the last one here. Man, oh, man, the NFC East is really kind of letting us down a little bit. Washington football team. Just a... Perfect view of their field, of their field, a huge flag that takes up the entire length. You don't even know it's their stadium, kind of like how the Bucks one was. But there's really no, there's nothing anywhere in this picture that really tells you it's Washington's field. But they've got the uh, the Blue Angels in the sky, fantastic. And uh, once again, no Memorial Day on any of these pictures. So we have to go to the wording of these tweets today and every day. We remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And I think we're going to give it to Washington here. They've got kind of the best picture here that doesn't really show it's their stadium. And uh, we'll have to go to the, uh, the wording of the tweet for the tiebreaker. So we're going to give it to Washington here. Alrighty, let's kind of go back here for the NFC North. We've got the Packers as the best, so let's get rid of all these other ones. So we've got the Packers. Uh, For the NFC West, we've got the Rams, so let's get rid of all the other ones that aren't the Rams. In the NFC West, we've got the Broncos. Alrighty, so let's get rid of all these other ones. In the AFC East, we've got the Bills. In the AFC South, we've got the Titans. In the AFC North, we've got the Bengals. In the uh, NFC South, we've got the Bucks. In the NFC East, we've got Washington. Alrighty, so let's crown a winner for the NFC. So we've got the Packers, real classy, Lambeau Field, the servicemen, the flag, the fighter jets, uh, or the Blue Angels. I don't know if that's the same, so forgive me if I'm saying that wrong. The Rams out here. So let's just compare it here. We'll start with the Packers since that's number one here. That's the best. Um, And that's better than this Rams. Rams kind of real basic out here. Nothing truly of substance. Um, And then, uh, well, that's the Broncos. So that's AFC. Bills, that's AFC. Titans, here we go. So we'll get this one and this one. All right. So Packers against the Bucks now, and man, oh man, I'm loving this Bucks picture. Always remember with the sun shining through the clouds. I think that's classy as all heck, folks. Uh, the flag, the main focal point of the picture. I can't get over this picture. I do like the that the Packers do have the servicemen in the photo, though. So I do give them credit for that. But I think I'm going with the uh, the Bucks picture over the page, uh, the Packers picture. 
And then the last one here, Washington just barely making the cut anyway. So we're going to give it to the Bucks. Bucks coming out of the NFC with the best Memorial Day picture. Now we go to the AFC Broncos. Kind of classy out here, but they did get it um, in the photo. Remember and honor those who have made the ultimate sacrifice, which we loved. The Bills out here now. Is the Broncos better than the Bills? I'm going to give it to the Bills here. I love that the Bills logo is blacked out a little bit. And then just the full color is the flag. What is the true message and having we, we remember? I'm loving that. So we'll have the Bills over the Broncos. Uh, the Titans... Kind of a generic tweet out here, what everybody else was doing, kind of incorporated a lot of the elements, the flag, the Memorial Day. Uh, but overall, I'm liking what the Bills did. All right, then we go to the Bengals. Is the Bengals better than the Bills? Memorial Day, remember and honor. I think I like this Bengals one a little bit better than the Bills. They both do the same thing, black out their logo. Logo. Memorial Day, the flag, kind of the focal point here. And I kind of like that we get the servicemen on the middle of the field with the flag. So I think that's a little bit better overall than the Bills. So we'll give it to the Bengals. And so it's going to be the Bucks or the Bengals out here. And I just cannot get over this photo, folks. I think it's fantastic. You've got the fighter jets as well. I don't know if I pointed that out yet on this Bucks picture, but you got the Blue Angels out here as well. So I think the Bucks had the, be the best picture, the best Memorial Day picture that signified the true meaning of Memorial Day without kind of making it all about them and their brand and their logo. logo. So congratulations to the Bucks, the best Memorial Day picture that signifies what is truly all about what Memorial Day is all about here. So we're going to give it to uh, the Bucks, folks. The meaningless best Memorial Day picture award. Congrats. <laughs> Congrats. Now to uh, the, the people that didn't even participate, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Jags, and the Browns. Shame. Shame on you. Shame on your houses. Shame on your brands. Shame on your, your field. Shame everywhere. Disrespect. Truly disrespect. So that's our Memorial Day segment on this Memorial Day. Was it good? Did y'all enjoy it? It was 34 minutes. Kind of long. <laughs> so, alrighty. So, let's go into the actual sports news of the day. Um, alrighty. Here we go. So, we talked about this kind of at the... Uh, uh, did we? I tweeted about it. That's what we talked about it. But uh, Seahawks have, dis have had discussions with Falcons about a possible Julio Jones trade. And Russell Wilson and Julio Jones have discussed possibility of playing together. Folks, folks, everybody's been talking about playing together. When you have, you know, the All-Star games and when you kind of, you know, face each other in the after-game kind of slap-ups and respect, you know, you're like, everybody's always like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we play together? I'm going to get you here. You're going to come here next season and then everyone's like oh yeah i'm definitely coming here oh yeah let's run it you know all that it's just talking folks it's literally just talking and when we go to the odds of what DraftKings was doing did we even have the seahawks on there was the seahawks even an odd so let's go there really quickly let me see if i can bring up the tweet uh where are we come on where are the odds of where julio jones is going to land did I not have that tweet up? What the heck? Alrighty, where was this one? This was from the 24th. But, uh, I mean, Seattle wasn't even in the top eight teams. Top ten teams out here that, you know, are in front runners of to get Julio Jones. So, you know, like we said, 
a lot of stories are going to come out. A lot of teams are going to be saying we want them. A lot of players are going to be like, yeah, we want to play with them. But wait until Wednesday, folks, June 2nd. That is when Julio Jones can get traded. But uh, everything else is a smokescreen. Um, I think it's really coming down to either the Patriots or the Rams. I really think those are the only two teams in competition for Julio Jones. Everybody else is just outside noise. Everybody else is just distraction. Everybody else is just a story to talk about to fill some time. So... Don't don't get caught up with all these fake stories, folks. Um, you know everybody's gonna be the leading contender every day. There's gonna be a new one every day. Just wait until Wednesday, folks. That's when we'll know. I'm I'm almost certain. I'll I'll almost take it to the bank and I'll almost put this entire show on it that Julio Jones trade will happen on Wednesday, folks. It will happen that day. So we'll see where he goes. But I'm not believing that the Seahawks are true contenders. Alrighty, let's move on to uh, some Patriots news out here. Patriots tight end Hunter Henry raves about early experience with the team. Quote, I enjoy this culture. I think it fits me really well, and I'm excited to just embrace myself in it and really just be a complete Patriot in what it means. And that's fantastic, folks. Um, ever since um, Tom Brady was there, we've always heard about the Patriot way, the Patriot culture. Bill never kind of overpaying for players, never getting those A1 tier 1 weapons for Tom Brady because it was the system, it was the culture. We're going to bring you in, you're going to act accordingly to this culture. Everybody's the same, everybody's on an even playing field. So, you know, we've always heard that narrative when Tom Brady was there. And then when Tom Brady left, it was like, all right, is it the Patriots system or is it, you know, Brady system or something like that but then Cam Newton came in year one and he had nothing but praise for Bill Belichick he went on different podcasts and different talk shows and always kind of talked up Bill saying Bill was the ultimate competitor he just wants to win he's truly misunderstood I think he called him a misunderstood genius at some point and really just always praised up Billy B and now Hunter Henry so we're getting this kind of new wave new era of Patriots player Patriots players under this Bill Belichick's Patriot system, Patriot way, and everybody's still embracing it. So that's still a good sign that this Patriots team can still be good without Tom Brady. It's only one year removed, so I mean, we've got a small sample size, but this Patriots team, they kind of upgraded their weapons a little bit. Not great, not amazing, but still a solid upgrade from last year to this year, and we got the tight end Hunter Henry raving about his experience so far in the Patriot way, in the Patriot culture. So let's see in this article if we get any more information here on really what this Patriots way is, and it seems like we do not. We get the quote, quote, I enjoy this culture. I think it really fits me well. I'm excited to just embrace myself in it and really just be a complete Patriot in what it means. It's just such a winning culture. There's a tradition here. There's a high level of expectations. And I'm glad that that still has not gone away after just what happened last year. It wasn't a great year, but it also wasn't that bad of a year. I mean, we know Cam Newton wasn't that great, but they still won, what, seven games? They went, I'm almost certain they went seven and nine. Let me uh, bring that up real quick. Almost positive. I'm like 99.9, but let me just bring it up out real quick. Yeah, seven and nine last year. So I mean, not a. I mean, not what the Patriots are used to. Don't get me wrong. Let's just read over their last 20 years out here. 2019, 12 and four. 2018, 11 and five. We're just going down years. So 2017, 13 and three. 14 and two. 12 and four. 12 and four. 12 and four. 12 and four. 13 and three. 14 and two. 10 and six. 11 and five. 16 and zero. Oh. Unfortunate. There, they didn't even win the Super Bowl. Um, 12 and four. 10 and six. 
14 and 2, 14 and 2, 9 and 7. 2002 was the last time that they won less than 10 games. So we've gone from 2003 to 2019, this winning Patriots culture of always 10 or more wins. And then in 2020, the 7-9. So, you know, the wins have came down a little bit, but that culture, that winning culture can still be felt in this building, according to Hunter Henry. The system is still there. So, you know, we can maybe expect a little bit of a dip for year one, and then the Patriots get right back at it this year. So let's kind of start buying up this Patriots team a little bit. If that winning culture is still there, the wins are still available to get one. So expect this Patriots team to strive for that 10-win season again to fit that culture to get back to winning because folks we do have to take everything that Tom Brady did last season with a huge grain of salt folks no team I mean no team no coach no player no individual anything has really won instantly year one coming into a new system I mean it's a true outlier of a season uh, of a season it's a true outlier of a narrative, and that's why we have to respect Tom Brady so much more. And that's really that's that's really the main thing that pushes Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time, pushes him past whoever y'all think is the greatest quarterback of all time. That he went to a new system year one and won a ring that that never happens, folks. We never see rookie head coaches, rookie players, or even you know franchise guys that go to a new team a new system and instantly year win year one that has really never happened in this league so you know we can't really put too much negative on the Patriots for just kind of floundering a little bit last year they still won seven games that's still pretty respectable in a kind of a rebuilding year when you've lost your franchise quarterback and really didn't have anything in place because your general manager made you get made you get rid of your kind of you know replacement you know of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo made him made Bill Belichick get rid of him a couple of seasons ago so it's still not a bad season. It didn't look the prettiest. It wasn't, you know, Cam Newton never played the greatest. But I really think we have to start giving this Patriots team a little bit more respect going into the season. So that's what we're going to try and do here. I think this kind of story alone should shift our own narrative. We've kind of been ragging on the Patriots all offseason. But I think due to this, I think we are going to have to elevate it in our own opinion a little bit more than what we've been giving them credit for. But let's get back to uh, this article right here. The quotes, uh, quote here by Hunter Henry. It's just such a winning culture. There's a tradition here. There's a high level of expectation. So I think a lot of us, even including myself, are very excited about trying to elevate ourselves to meet those expectations and this culture. So they're all in. They're all buying in. We've never heard. We haven't heard any negative about Bill Belichick ever since Tom Brady left. So. I'll let y'all make of that what you will, but that me still means the culture's here. The right way of winning is still in place, and they're still rocking with this culture, folks. And we'll see how it pans out for the 2021 NFL season. But I think we have to start respecting this Patriots team a little bit more. Alrighty, let's go on to this story. Man, oh man, how comical have the Jags been this offseason? Clownish, I would say. Um, amusement park-esque, in my opinion. They bring in Urban Meyer, who, I mean, it doesn't make sense why he's even coaching anymore. I mean, he left the college system because his health was in question. He was so obsessed with winning and being good and being great and getting the best players that it was affecting his overall health. But then he goes to the NFL. This... 
where there's more pressure, more pressure to succeed, more pressure against Urban Meyer because we haven't really seen high-level college coaches come in in the NFL and really succeed that much. Nick Saban was the last kind of great, one of the greatest college football coaches of all time that comes into the league, flounders big time, and then still has success in the college program. So this whole Jaguars uh, saga here, this offseason has been absolutely clownish. Urban Meyer hire, I like it. I think it's solid, but we'll see how we kind of adjust to the NFL system. They bring in Tim Tebow in training camp, and y'all know how I feel about that. I think that is the absolute lamest thing, and it just kind of, um, you know, after the jersey sales came out of having Tim Tebow be the the top five highest selling things on NFLShop.com as soon as he got there. I mean, we knew that's what it was all about, the publicity and the money. We're just trying to get money here. And now comes yesterday, all elite wrestling. They're having their big event, double or nothing. Their big kind of, I don't, th- I don't know if it was pay-per-view or if it was, you know, on main television or whatever it was, but a huge event in the wrestling world and guess where they were guess where they were fighting folks the jaguar stadium which is cool don't get me wrong like that's awesome like that that they're incorporating that but when it's the jaguars it's still fishy and it's still lame on the football side on the wrestling side it's fantastic and it's great that you know they're they're doing this and you know shaking up wrestling you know always having to evolve and always have to go bigger and better i'm all about it on the wrestling side but when we take it at, at just purely the football side and everything that comes with this and everything that we've already seen this offseason it's like are we trying to win or are we just trying to promote our brand and just try to get money? Because if we're just trying to get money, I'm not I'm not opposed to that either. Give me, I'll try to have some money as well. I'm trying to make some money too. But when we're talking about just winning in the football side of this, it just makes it look real bad. I mean, folks, they're wrestling inside of Urban Meyer's office. Urban Meyer's there. Urban Meyer's there. And they give him a laptop. They're throwing footballs. I mean, we all know this is pre-planned. I mean, wrestling is not, you know, it's the it's real, but it's scripted. So, I mean, they're all obviously going after the money here, the publicity. And it's just like, are we trying to, you don't see the Patriots doing this. You don't see the Bucks doing this. They just won the ring. I mean, they're all about the business side. So, just from a pure football standpoint, we know everything that they're doing now is just for the money, just for the publicity. So, can we even get behind this team come this season? Are we even going to be rooting for them? Because they're not all about winning, obviously. They bring in Tim Tebow for the money. They do this for the money. They have Urban Meyer handing Chris Jericho a lap top to smash over this other guy it's just like are we trying to win out here and you know i'm not trying to be the fun police folks i'm truly not but i'm uh, this show's about winning you know we talk about winning we talk about the sports and, and we talk about winning here we want to see you win <clears throat> and this is not giving me any hope that this jaguars team is going to be good which will then translate to wins so i can't get behind anything that urban meyer's doing he's running the circus over here like i said for the entertainment value it's there i'm not you know i'm just talking about the winning culture and the football but entertainment for the wrestling, it's fantastic. But for football and winning culture, what is Urban Meyer doing out here? If I was a Jaguars fan, I would—I I don't know about this. I don't know about it. So everything that the Jaguars have been, been doing is just in, instantly confirmed from last night that they're having wrestling events in their stadium, trashing their stadium, beating up each other on their stadium. So... 
We'll see what's going to be next here. What's the next circus attraction for this Jaguars team that's going to make us instantly fall out of love of what the Jaguars are going to be doing on the field this season. But Urban Meyer, another strike against them. Dan Campbell and Urban Meyer, folks. If I was though, if I was fans of these two teams, I would just be dreading this upcoming season. I'm like, are we trying to win or not? Is this all a big scam to get, make money? Is this all it is? Is it truly ever about the competition? Or are some owners majority of the owners all about making the money which I'm not opposed to folks you know money rules everything so yes get it while you can but you know what we talk about what we focus here on the show is competitiveness and winning and that's not what we're seeing here with this Jaguars organization so I truly can't get behind it like I said from the football from the uh, wrestling perspective it's great don't get me wrong I'd be entertained as hell if I was you know actively watching AEW I've never gotten into it um, but you know the entertainment value was all there, but not for the competitive, not for the winning, not for the championship, not for the legacy, not for the rings, not for the Tom Brady's. The Tom Brady's don't be doing this. Or they would be doing it after they won 10 Super Bowls, went to 10 Super Bowls, won seven of them. Then I would get Tom. I give Tom Brady a pass on everything. But if you're not winning and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing out on the field, I'm not going to be, you know, jumping for joy that, oh, Urban Meyer handed Chris Jericho a laptop to smash over this man. And one of the assistant coaches was handing Chris Jericho footballs to throw at this man. I'm not getting behind it. So we'll see what's next for the circus attraction that is the Jaguars. But I'm a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth after this. Alrighty, let's move on to uh, another bigger personality off the field than he is a winner on the field. Not the greatest. Packers general manager, Brian Gutenkunsk. Gutenkunsk. Is still, quote, holding firm. He won't trade Aaron Rodgers despite Aaron Rodgers not attending OTAs. Now, um, you know, OTAs, they're voluntary. So we're not putting too much stake in Aaron Rodgers not being there. What we are putting a lot of stake in, in this Aaron Rodgers situation is him talking against his organization, going on Jeopardy, doing the golfing big matchup against Tom Brady, and kind of just always disrespecting the organization. That's where we have the problem with Aaron Rodgers. I don't care if he's not at the OTAs. I mean, he does, he's a 13-year veteran, folks. He doesn't need to really be there. Um, if he wants to win the Super Bowl, maybe that's you know the next step he has to take. Maybe. He's got one ring. I get it, folks. But, um, yeah, the Packers general manager here, I would call the bluff, too. Hey, if you're not going to be here, we're not trading you, so just you're not going to play. We'll go with Jordan Love. We don't care about that. I mean, we're ready to move off of you just on your personality alone and all the shots you take at this organization. So go ahead. Don't show up. That's fine. If I was Brian Gutenkunsk, I'm sorry for butchering the name. I'm getting trolled on my YouTube comments because I didn't pronounce uh, Panay. Let me try to get this right this time so y'all don't clown me again. Uh, Panay, so well. So well. I believe it's something like that. I know. It's tough to murder us. Sue me, folks. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it as disrespect. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, if I was the Packers general manager, Brian Gutenkunsk. It's like Gutentag, but Gutekunst. If I was him, I would be calling Aaron Rodgers bluff. All right, don't show up. I've got no problem playing Jordan Love over you. I'm kind of sick of you and ready to move off of you. I know you're a great talent, but we're not going to let this great talent go to another team. You're either going to play for us or you're not going to play at all. I mean, that's what it's going to boil down to. You're under contract. If you don't want to show up, that's fine. You won't get paid. We will not be trading you. 
and that's going to be the end of it. If you want to play and show up and, you know, just be here for the team, that's fine, and we'll implement you And as the starting quarterback. We've got no problem with that. We've already kind of been assuming that was going to happen anyway. But if you're not going to show up, you're not going to hold us hostage. I mean, that's definitely not what you're going to do, folks. You're not going to go out openly disrespecting us and then be holding us hostage. No, no, no. The team is bigger than you. It's not all about you. It's bigger than yourselves, Aaron. Yourself, Aaron. And I know you think you're the best player and the biggest brain out there, and you always know the best option, the best way to do everything. We all know that. But if, uh, you know, you're not going to hold us hostage, you are not going to hold this team hostage. We are good enough to try and compete with the ring. We would love if you're here. Obviously, we think you're one of the best out here, but uh, you just lost a Tom Brady head up. So what are we what are we going to talk about that? We're just going to we're just supposed to ignore that. And that's what I love about Aaron Rodgers. It's like you literally just had Tom Brady in your home stadium and you lost to him head to head. As he threw three interceptions, you still cannot beat him head to head in your home stadium. So I love that Aaron Rodgers gets a free pass on that. I give no, I give Aaron Rodgers zero free passes out here. That's why we talk about him a lot on the show because I give him no free passes. Everybody, everybody, fans, media, they give Aaron Rodgers twenty thousand free passes. Where everything bad that Tom Brady does, no free pass, no free pass. The man's won seven rings. He's earned some free passes. Aaron Rodgers has got to one Super Bowl, folks. I would say that's a little underwhelming of his overall talent, don't you think? Just a little. Only one Super Bowl. If he got the three and one one, I would still give him a lot of credit. I would give him free passes. But he's only been to one Super Bowl, folks. That's it. Losing NFC Championship games in your home stadium. Come on. That's not winning. It's not winning, folks. So, truly underwhelming what Aaron Rodgers has done in his career, but he gets free passes by everybody. He's so beloved by everybody, and I'm not buying it. I don't give him that here. I I, I don't. I hold Aaron Rodgers um, to a higher standard, I guess, than everybody else does, and I, I, I don't care. I do not care. I will not apologize. I will not stop banging on Aaron Rodgers until he wins another ring. If he wins two rings, that's what we're talking about. You, you really got, if you're going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, I got to see two rings at least, at least, especially what we've seen by Tom Brady really setting the bar. So really anything less than Tom Brady has done in his career, we're going to judge less than Tom Brady. But we also understand the circumstances around Tom Brady. I mean, him and Bill Belichick have really just clicked, and they've been there their entire year together. So, you know, but I have to see more than one ring. I've got to see more than one ring, and I've got to see more than one Super Bowl appearance. And then we can start talking you up as one of the greatest of all time. You don't have to go to 10 and win 7. That's not what I'm saying. You just have to win more than one because a lot of people have won. It's not easy to win one, don't get me wrong. But to talk about you as a Hall of Famer, as the greatest of all time, it's got to be more than one. One, folks, it's got to be so. If I was uh, the Packers general manager, I am calling the bluff, folks. Do not show up. I do not care. You will be under contract. We will not be trading you. If you want to show up and protect your legacy and try to increase your legacy, come on then. Come on. But you're not going to improve your legacy somewhere else because you feel like you are entitled to be out of this organization. That's not what we're going to be doing here as this Packers team. So we'll see if he shows up. We've heard that he's been telling everybody he's not going to show up. He's in Hawaii. He's golfing with Tom Brady next month, two months from now. Uh, so we'll see if he shows up with this Packers team. But uh, if I'm the Packers general manager, I am not trading Aaron Rodgers. I do not care. I don't I don't care. I'll, I, if you want to hold us hostage, we're going to hold you hostage too. So let's see. Who, who's going to wait it out? Who, who, who can wait it out the longest? And I'm going to go with this Packers team that has really nothing to lose. They've already got Jordan Love. They've gotten their replacement. they got gotten their backup. 
It's not like their quarterback list out here. Call the bluff. Let's see who wins it. All right, let's head over to some NBA stories from last night. All righty, we're going to start with Kyrie Irving here and this whole thing that happened yesterday. So let's start with the initial incident. Um, after the game, a fan throws a water bottle, water bottle at Kyrie Irving. Obviously, absolutely unacceptable. Cannot be doing that. You know, talk whatever you want. That's no racial slurs, no physical violence, no nothing physical at all. I mean, that's the rules of being a fan. Say, you know, this. Don't go too far. I mean, like what? Uh, who was it? Um, some fans in the stands were harassing uh, like somebody's family, John Morant's family, something along those lines. A point guard's family. I don't think it was John Moran. Maybe it was. Uh, but still, you know, harassing the parents of a, of a player. You can't be doing that either. But, you know, you know, saying, hey, you suck. Oh, you know, you missed your free throws. You know, getting loud at the free throw line. You know, saying, hey, you suck. You know, bad pass. Turnover. Turn. Yes, all that's fine and good fun. But when you start with the racial slurs, when you start with the physical uh, violence, we can't be having that, folks. Truly cannot be having this. So I don't condone and I don't endorse any of what the really fans have been doing these last couple of days where they've just been making – Headline after headline after headline. I'm not condoning any of that. So uh, the fan throws the water bottle at Kyrie Irving after the game, and he ends up getting arrested. How funny is this? Uh, there's this picture right here, him getting t- taken out of the stadium in handcuffs, escorted out by Boston police. How funny is that? Um, and then, but, uh, you know, the charges here, meh, meh, maybe a little bit too much here. So, the fan who threw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving has been arrested by Boston police and is subject to a lifetime ban from TD Garden. So, once again, I don't like one incident, you know, having you a lifetime ban. Let's see if you, you know, you've learned from it and let's see if uh, you can get the apology. I think the apology from, um, you know, you apologizing and then the person that you disrespected if they accept the apology I really think that's the only thing that matters um if Kyrie Irving says hey you know I forgive you I get it um you know that's fine I don't think he deserves the lifetime ban but if Kyrie Irving which he probably will be saying hey no 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 none of that no 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 I, I don't forgive you none of that that was unacceptable then I think you know all right then we can kind of get behind the lifetime ban but I really think this all comes down to the perpetrator and the victim I really think that's the only two people that should should have the decision on a lifetime ban if if it's like the first instance if it's like you know his third time yes and then he's not learning from it it wasn't just uh, the passion of the moment the heat of the moment anything like that so yes give him the lifetime ban if it's not their first offense I've got no problem with that but if it's one-time offense um, like Trey Young said he wasn't going to press charges on the guy who spit on him now, I don't know if he forgave him or if he was like all right you know I but he's not pressing charges so but um, the charges here for this Boston guy, yikes. Uh, the fan in Boston who threw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving is facing a charge of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. Dangerous water bottle? Was it even full? I don't even think it was full. I think it was like almost empty, half empty. I wouldn't classify that as a dangerous weapon. So once again, trying to make an example, and I hate that. I hate making an example. You have to. I, I just don't think that's the right thing to do in like in like real court cases or anything like that I mean making an example out of somebody I mean that's just kind of unfair in the grand scheme of things I mean you should be holding everybody to the same standard at all times when you're making an example out of somebody you're increasing that sentence to make an example out of somebody I'm not the biggest proponent of that I understand it I get it I do not like it I'll put it like that so I think the charges here are a little out of whack. 
heat of the moment. I understand you're not supposed to do that. If it's his first time offense, I think we have to take all this into consideration and not just instantly go to Twitter and be like, oh, he needs to be killed and he needs to be dragged into the streets and he needs to be arrested forever, 20 years to life. I mean, can we all relax a little bit? I mean, we've all gotten caught up in the moment at some point in our lives. Maybe it's not as extreme as throwing a water bottle at a professional athlete, but we've all kind of been in this scenario where like, you know, I really made a real dumb mistake. I really feel truly bad about it. That's why I really think, I mean, the apology with the victim agreeing to the apology is really has holds so much more weight than anybody talking about the issue because it's the people involved. That's really, I mean, who cares about the upside observers? I mean, they, they've got nothing on the, the situation. So let's, you know, let's, Let's settle down a little bit. Once again, the virtue signaling on this on this offense has been absolutely ridiculous to see on Twitter. But but uh, yeah, so you can't be throwing fan. You can't be throwing anything. Stop with the physical stuff, folks. Stop with that in the stands. I mean, it's just uncalled for. And once again, these are outliers. I mean, it's like one. It's one a game here. You know, it, you know, it's not. It's it's the outliers. That's why they make the news. So once again, stop with this. Oh, fans don't even deserve to be at sporting events. Stop with all that nonsense. That's so wild to even think. You know, with one person doing this. So, with all that being said. The man got arrested, right? Right or not, I don't know. Um, but we'll see if he, uh, if his uh, indefinite suspension is uh, is ap- actually implemented or not. But then Kyrie Irving, after the game, he goes and steps on the logo here, and I've got no problem with that. I've got no problem, you know, dancing on the logo, disrespecting the logo. I think it's all kind of in the the course of all kind of good competition and all that. Now, I think dancing on the logo before games like Juju Smith-Schuster does, I don't think that adds anything to you. I think that just fuels the other team. That's why I wouldn't be doing it if I was a professional athlete. But I, I've got no problem with it. I don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, so Kyrie Irving goes and stomps on the head of the uh, the Irishman and the logo of the Boston Celtics stadium, but you know once again that's like this is what Kyrie Irving does. You know he is a little bit of an instigator, and then you know he's like you know he'll be in the media be like I don't understand why I get attacked all the time. I don't understand all this and this and this and that. And but then we get this video, so it's like you know Kyrie Irving loves playing the victim. But can we kind of, you know, say, not 100%. I mean, he doesn't deserve to have the water bottle thrown at him. But he deserves to get heckled when he goes to play in Boston, an ex-former Boston Celtic, disrespecting their logo. You know, you, you have to be open yourself up to criticism now. I mean, if you're going to put yourself out there as an entertainer, as an athlete, like myself included, I mean, I'm putting myself out there on the internet. I'm opening, I'm opening, I'm opening myself up to criticism. And I have to accept all those criticisms because I am putting myself out there. Kyrie Irving is putting himself out there on the court, having this kind of footage taken of him, of him putting his foot on the logo, but then he's going to go and cry, cry victim in the media. And then don't, doesn't go to the media sessions and then gets fined. And then we've had this cycle all over again. I mean, it's just Kyrie Irving as Asking for it, and then he goes and play victim. That's why we have the problem with Kyrie Irving, folks. I mean, that's why. I mean, because we get this stuff right here. So he loves to play victim for no reason, or in his mind for no reason. But it's reason after reason after reason after reason. Um, 
So that's where we're at with this Kyrie Irving water bottle stomping on the logo nonsense. That's why I just can't respect Kyrie Irving. I, I think he's just an annoying person who always is, who's always the victim in any scenario. He's never, he's never the reason. He's always the victim. So that's why we don't like Kyrie. Like don't, don't get us wrong. He plays absolutely fantastic. We loved what he did last night. Absolutely, the player of Kyrie Irving we respect a lot. The person though. Man, not my cup of tea. Let's just put it like that way. And it's not like I'm clowning. I, I, there's like two people that I don't like in all of sports. Maybe three. Tim Tebow. <laughs> Tim Tebow. Kyrie Irving. Maybe Aaron Rodgers now that we're still talking about him. Maybe. So it's not like I'm out here hating every player, every professional athlete. No, it's like the ones that really just kind of think of themselves higher than what they actually are. They cannot never do anything wrong. They're only they're the only reason why they're winning as a team. They're the best player in their respective position. And you can never tell them that they're wrong. I mean, those are the players that I'm not the biggest fans of. So. We'll see what happens with Kyrie Irving. We'll see if we get any more kind of victim statements from him, which I'm sure we will. The playoffs, the first round is basically, well, it's basically coming to a close, but it's still the first round, and we know the Stets team could have the potential to go far. Maybe not if they have to face the Bucs, which is looking like that's what's going to happen. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll keep updates on Kyrie Irving. Does he change? Does he turn it around? I would love if he did. I don't see it happening, though. All right, let's keep going on here. Luka Doncic, and uh, this series just flipped 180. Holy moly. I mean, man, oh, man. Uh, the Mavs went two in L.A. The Clippers went two in the Mavs, and now it's going to be game five going back, tied 2-2 in L.A. So um, I think the Clippers are going to close out now. The defense has really been clamping up on this uh, Mavericks offense, and the thing that won the Mavericks those two first games in L.A., was just their sheer offense always being in. Now, when they have trouble scoring, like we just saw in Game 3 and now again in Game 4, it's not looking so good that this Mavericks team is that good. So uh, the Clippers, I think, are back in full control of the series. The defense, they kind of figured out, all righty, this is what the Mavericks do. They caught us by surprise Game 1 and 2 because we just haven't really kind of been seeing that explosive offense. This is how we stop it. And that's what's so great about a seven-game series. I mean, you can fix your mistakes. You can all. I mean, you have to win four games. Like we said, it doesn't matter which four you win. You just have to win four. And that's what the Clippers are starting to do now. Hey, all right, we shut it down. We, you know, we were a little kind of unraveled for those first two games, but we know what they're doing. This is easy to stop now. We, we're a great defensive team. You, we've all been hearing that by everybody in the media, and they've really been showing it these last two games. So I really think this series has flipped, and I think the Mavericks are in big, big trouble now, and I don't see them coming back from it. But uh, Luka... Uh, he's a little injured, a little banged up. He still felt some pain in his neck during game four. And we get this quote by uh, head coach Rick Carlisle. So, quote on uh, Luka Doncic's injury. Quote, he's in pain. He couldn't turn his neck to the left. And that's difficult for a guy that relies on peripheral vision and basically has played his whole life with his head on a swivel. So, yeah, if you can't turn your neck, you can't be explosive. And we shot him just shooting absolutely poor last night. I mean, everybody on this Mavericks team have been shooting absolutely poor percentage-wise for these last two games. So, 
Not looking real good here for this Mavericks team. We're going to break down the game um, in our next segment. But, man, oh, man, this, uh, this Mavericks team, folks, they are in big, big trouble. And I think we got to give a lot of respect to what the Clippers have done to really take away that momentum and then gain that momentum for themselves these last two games. So, uh, I think we're going to be betting on the Clippers come game five when that is played. I don't. I think it's going to be Tuesday. No, Wednesday. Is it going to be Wednesday? Whenever the next time they play, I think we're going to have to be switching our bets over to the Clippers. We've been taking the uh, the Mavericks with the points, I think, every every single time these first four games. Uh, but I think we're back on the Clippers now, folks. They've really turned it around, and the defense has been clamping up. Alrighty, now let's talk about another series that kind of uh, took, a, uh, took a little bit of a bad hit uh, yesterday. So... Lakers, Suns, game four. Anthony Davis goes down in the second quarter. Um, groin injury, never good. And then the Suns were able to tie up the series 2-2 going back to Phoenix. And I think once again, this Phoenix team has taken control. Chris Paul was looking good, even though he was injured. We're going to talk about Chris Paul's injury in a second. But not having Anthony Davis, I mean, now it's just LeBron with a bunch of scrubs like it has been his entire career. Him not having AD is not going to be good for uh, Game 5 here when they have to face the Suns because we know the Suns are pretty good down low. DeAndre Ayton had a good game last night. Uh, Jay Crowder was finally hitting the threes, finally. So we know he's he's a great defensive player down low. And if he doesn't have to guard Anthony Davis, I mean, now you just make Jay Crowder even more of a defensive factor because he who, who's going to be stepping in? It's just going to be LeBron and Andre Drummond, and then they're going to have to play Montrose Harrell a little bit. And I like Montrose Harrell, but I'm taking Jay Crowder over Montrose. Harold any day of the week so not looking good here for the Lakers um, and then we get uh, oh well, let's talk about the status of Anthony Davis real quick one source described Davis's availability for game five on Tuesday as quote unclear and a lot of people have been saying oh groin injury that's like uh, at least a week to get back from so not looking good that Anthony Davis is going to be good go, good to go for game five and if there's no Anthony Davis we're gonna be taking the Suns all day long I mean I love LeBron but I mean he need you need two superstars to win you need really three LeBron counts as two and Anthony Davis was his third. That was the three. That's why they won the championship last year. But, I mean, if you don't have those three superstars and Anthony Davis is your third, I can't see them getting past his son's team. So, not great here for the Lakers. But LeBron James is not tripping. Quote here, these shoulders were built for a reason. If it takes for me to put some more on top of that, then so be it. Win, lose, or draw, I'm ready for the challenge. So, not the best quote here for LeBron, you know, saying he's going to put his team on his shoulder, but I don't like the last sentence, win, lose, or draw, kind of, you know, softening the critiques, softening the blow. If they lose, I mean, it's LeBron could just say, oh, there's no Anthony Davis. And if they win, he'd be like, yeah, I told y'all I'm putting the team on my back. So, kind of LeBron's putting himself here in a win-win situation, which I'm never a, the biggest fan of. I get it, and I may do the same thing if I was at his level, uh, but uh, I'm not the biggest fan of that as just a fan perspective, but uh, you know, we know LeBron James, this is what he does, folks. He carries everybody. I mean, he did it his entire career. He, he finally went to the Heat, got some nice help. That's why they won the rings. He goes back to Cleveland with Kyrie Irving, a little bit of, little bit of extra help, carries him to a ring. And then he uh, goes to the Lakers, gets Anthony Davis, gets a ring. I mean, when he was just with those Cavs teams, I mean, he was still getting to the finals. Just unfortunately couldn't win the big games, win the big game seven series. Uh, but you need another superstar to do that. So we'll see if LeBron James can do it. I mean, now we're talking about Andre Drummond just down low by himself. Mm, yikes, 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 yikes. And then we got Schroeder and 
Kyle Kuzma, we got to rely on them more. And I don't know if that's enough help for this LeBron, um, you know, aging out of the league, unfortunately. So this game five is going to be absolutely great. Uh, does uh, Anthony Davis play? Does Chris Paul still play as good as he played in game number four? How beast mode does LeBron go into? It's all yet to be determined, but uh, watch out for Tuesday, folks. Tomorrow, game five, going to be an absolute great one. And let's talk about Chris Paul on the flip side of the series. Um, you know, we were kind of saying that he probably should have been rested in game three. He played in game three. We said it was kind of too late to rest him for game four because it was a must win. So Chris Paul told Monty Williams. Well, Monty Williams told Chris Paul he was going to sit him in game four. But Chris Paul said he told Monty Williams, the head coach, hell no, nah, I'm not sitting. What are you, what are you not? Absolutely not. So uh, Chris Paul. I mean, he, he's got the right to say, no, 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 I'm not sitting. What are you nuts? I'm at the back end of my career. I want to get a ring, and I think this is my last great chance. I don't know what next year is going to hold, but for right now, I've got great odds of winning a ring. Winning a ring. So I've got, no, I've got no problem with Chris Paul saying, hey, no, 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 I'm playing. Stop this. You're going to sit me. Do you know who I am? I could I could. I could buy your house right now. Don't make me do it. I'll make you homeless. <laughs> I'll make you homeless, Monty Williams. You sent me, I'm buying your house. I don't care if it's up for sale. I, the realtor that I'll hire will have no choice but to but to sign the closing because I'm going to pay them that much money. Do you understand how much I'm worth? Do you understand who I am? Do you, do you not understand I'm CP3? Come on. So, um, yeah, you know, I've got no problem with Chris Paul saying, Monty Williams, shut, shut the trap. I'm playing. Don't ever let me hear those words come out of your mouth of Chris Paul, you're going to sit. Those words will never leave your mouth again, will they, Monty? Monty had to go, no, they won't, Chris, and then go back to the bench and sit down. <laughs> so, I respect Chris Paul for saying that, and luckily he backed it up with his play on the floor. We're going to, like I said, we're going to break down that game in a second. But, uh, you know, I've got no problem with Chris Paul saying that, and he backed it up, so even better. But what I don't like was the second quote that we got from Chris Paul saying, I said, I don't know if I'll be out there for two minutes. I don't know if I'll be out there for 32 minutes, but I feel like I've got to give it a, uh, I've got to go. I've got to try to give it what I've got. So from that perspective, Chris Paul wasn't even that much sure of himself. He doesn't even know if he was going to be able to last the game. He doesn't even know if he would, he would have been out there for two minutes. And I think if like, let's say, Chris Paul was out there for two minutes and it was like, yeah, I really can't go and it was looking bad. I mean, that's just ruining the entire pace of the game, giving more momentum to the Lakers saying, oh, we just got Chris Paul out. Cameron Payne comes in in the starting point guard position, not having that kind of from tip-off feel, from tip-off rhythm, having those kind of extra reps a little bit in maybe that light practice that they ran before the game. So for that, kind of two different stories here. Chris Paul going 100% saying, hell no, nah, I'm not sitting. And then the other flip side saying, I didn't even know if I was going to be out there for two minutes or 32 minutes. I just wanted to give it all I got. So kind of not the greatest here by Chris Paul. I know he's a leader, and I know he definitely earned his way to play whatever game forever long he wants to play. But to know that he was this unsure of himself maybe hurting the overall of the team a little bit with himself out there. Luckily, it didn't, but there's still that flip side that it could have ruined the team a little bit. So we'll see how game five goes. But uh, Chris Paul was looking pretty solid out there, so maybe the injury isn't that bad anymore. Maybe it's gotten a little bit better, and maybe it's manageable to play through. But uh, Chris Paul, he showed out last night, so i got to give him a ton of credit for it. 
Alrighty, those were all the stories that we needed to talk about for today. So let's head over to the games from last night, break those down, and we got two games on tonight. So we'll do uh, we'll talk about those games and do our money maker. Don't think we're gonna get to the NFC South draft grades today. Try to finish that up tomorrow, but we'll see how the rest of the show goes. So here we go. First game up is the Knicks and the Hawks, and man, oh man, Julius Randle, please, 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 no, do something good, be efficient, please, he's truly floundered every game of this playoff series, and the Hawks, man, they've just got the outside shooters, and everybody was getting it done in this game, three players of 20 plus points, uh, five players of, you know, or six players of 10 or more plus points, and that's what we're talking about, just the shootability of this Hawks team is just better than the Knicks. The Knicks have the defense, but they don't have those outside shooters that you can re, um, that you can repeatedly rely on consistently. It's nothing like that. So uh, no surprise here. We took the Hawks minus five. They win big time. Really opened it up in the third quarter, winning 113 to 96, a 17-point win for them. And now they're up 3-1, going back to the Garden, where you better hope that fan base is roaring and rocking because we know that's really the main difference. The really only difference that is making this Knicks team competitive if the fans are there rooting for them. So the Hawks get it done last night. Trey Young, 27 points, 9 assists. Love that. 4 of 14 from the 3. Not truly efficient there, but we'll take the 27 points and 9 assists. Bogdan Bogdanovich, a little bit of a light game from him, but, you know, shooting great from the 3. 12 points on 4 of 9 from the 3. Just being that consistent 3-point shooter to stretch the floor. And he also had 2 steals, 6 assists, and 8 rebounds. I I mean, and a plus 29 on the floor. I mean, I mean, a lot of people sleep on Bogdan Bogdanovich, folks. We don't here. I mean, we always pray by I mean, Bogdanovich, Bogdan and Bohan Bogdanovich, I mean, they are the most consistent players in this league that are not superstars, folks. And we give them all the respect, man. Do not sleep on the Bogdanoviches, folks. They are truly fantastic. Clint Capella, 10 points, 15 rebounds, 2 assists. John Collins, 22 points, 8 rebounds, 2 of 3 from the 3, stretching the floor lethally, and 60% from the field. You love to see it. And then DeAndre Hunter, a little bit of a light night, 5 points, 2 rebounds on 28% shooting on 7 shots. So a little flounder there, but that's what's so great about the Hawks. You have one of your starters flounder, but then everybody else is good to go. Uh, Kevin Herter off the bench, 11 points, 3 rebounds. Three of five from the three, efficient as heck. Daniil Gallinari, 21 points, four rebounds. He shot six of nine from the field, one of four from the three. But once again, he still put up 21 points. So a bad three night. Everybody else was solid from the three. So we've got no problem with that. So just they've got the abundance of shooters. Unfortunately, Lou Williams is not is still not playing out that well for this team. Defensively solid, offensively, we know that's not really his game. But Lou Williams off the bench in 10 minutes, zero points on three shots. But he was still a plus 11 on those uh, 10 minutes out on the floor. So still pretty solid. So, um, you know, they've got the shooters the Hawks do. And that's why, you know, we had them over the Knicks. And that's why they keep beating the Knicks. And they're up 3-1, looking to close out the series a little earlier than we thought. We thought it was going to go 7, uh, but we had the Hawks coming out of it. And it seems like they can get it done in 5, which would be pretty, uh, pretty, pretty solid here for this Hawks team. Alrighty, the Knicks now. Derrick Rose is still in the starting lineup, and I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I, I like it, don't get me wrong, but it seems like it has not been translating to wins ever since it happened. Because I think uh, I think he started to start in Game 3. When uh, Game 2, when they won, I don't think he was in the starting lineup there. 
But uh, Derrick Rose is starting one. 18 points, 6 assists, 2 rebounds. He's looking real good out there. Don't get us wrong. Defensively, not the best. But to facilitate the floor and to get that offense going, I mean, you need him in the starting lineup. Absolutely. R.J. Barrett, 21 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds, 2 of 6 from 3, uh, 53% on 15 shots. So once again, I mean, R.J. Barrett, I mean, his production has really not changed from the regular season to this postseason. Still getting us like those 20 points on decently efficient shooting. It's just really Julius Randle lighting us down on that efficiency. 23 points. He had 7 assists and 10 rebounds, which is absolutely fantastic. Two, uh, two steals along with that, but 23 points on 36% shooting, 7 of 19 from the field I mean gotta be better than that man gotta be more efficient more lethal he has to be I mean he just won most improved folks I mean he was the big name of this Knicks team he was the one that really turned this Knicks team around but now in the postseason floundering big 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 time so we just need Julius Randle to step it up here and I don't see it happening so not good Taj Gibson at the starting five instead of Nerlens Noel, and we like that. I mean, Taj Gibson has truly been a, a nice force out here, but once again, not translating to wins. Him and Derrick Rose getting elevated to that starting roster, starting lineup, and they're not really winning because of it. So not the greatest there, even though I do think they deserve to be in the starting lineup. But Taj Gibson, six points, three rebounds, one assist, two steals, one block. He only took four shots and hit three of them. That's where the six points came from. So that's decent. And still only a minus eight on the floor. Truly great for um, all the starters because nobody else was even really kind of close to that. Besides R.J. Barrett, who once again we can rely on. Maybe the most reliable, efficient player on this Knicks team this playoffs. I know Derrick Rose is good, but his defensive numbers, I mean, he was a minus 22 on the floor, folks. I mean, the worst. The worst on the team. So not the greatest out there. And then off the bench, we got some decent productions. Alec Burks, 12.6 rebounds, but once again, not efficient to 33% on 12 shots. Not great. And then Obi Toppin, 13 points. He shot efficient, but uh, then we get Emmanuel quickly. Zero points on three shots. Once again, I mean, we just can't rely on anybody. It's like hit and miss. Who's going to get it done this game? Nerlens Noel off the bench, 1.2 rebounds because he got to the line twice. That's where the, the that's where the point came from, but just minus 15 and 14 minutes off the bench. It's just like they've got nothing great on this Knicks team, nothing reliable. It seems like you get a new Knicks team in this playoff series every single game, and that's not recipe for success at all, folks. So. Uh, the Hawks, big old win here, getting it done in the second half, and that the explosive, the explosibility of this Hawks team is truly great. And who will they have to face in the second round if they get past it? The 76ers. I mean, I think they kind of match up decent. They've got some nice outside shooters. I think the 76ers have a little bit more de defense than the Hawks have. But I mean, Clint Capella versus Joel Embiid. That's a solid matchup, folks. I mean, uh, Clint Capella was averaging like 14 and 14 in the regular season, and it is a decent defender out there. So uh, this could be a little scary for the 76ers, even though the 76ers are looking real good this season. I think the Hawks can have a decent matchup against them. So well done for the Hawks opening up the uh, the series lead 3-1, to one, and we'll see if they can close it out uh, the next time they play in Madison Square Garden. Alrighty, let's go to the Suns and the Lakers now. Love that the Suns tied this series up. I would love to see Chris Paul get a ring, truly. And he was out there on the floor, truly getting it done still. 18 points, 9 assists. He took three threes, missed them all. But he shot 46% on 15 shots, so not bad there by Chris Paul. A plus 9 on the floor as well in a, uh, what do they got, an eight-point win. So pretty solid work there as well defensively, still playing through the pain. So for that, I respect the hell out of Chris Paul. 
But uh, uh, how far is he going to be able to go, folks? This is a long, this is a uh, a marathon, not a sprint, folks, to get to the finals and to win the finals. So Chris Paul, I think, is playing like it's a little bit of a sprint there. I don't know if that's going to be the best overall outcome. I'm, I'm hoping for him, I'm rooting for him, but I don't know if it's going to be the best overall for the team. Uh, Devin Booker, 17 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. He shot 1 of 5 from the 3, and he was not great last night, folks. Only 17 points, 35% shooting, 1 of 5 from the 3. But uh, luckily, everybody else bailed him out, so that's a great sign for the Suns team. Everybody else was really able to get to the scoring column. And uh, if Anthony Davis didn't exit for the Lakers... I don't know if the Suns team wins last night. So we have to see the Suns team start to step it up a little bit more. We need we need Devin Booker to go for like 30-plus every single night. And we haven't really been getting that in this series so far. So we'll see if Devin Booker can kind of step it up a little bit more. He needs to be the primary scorer here, especially with Chris Paul not being at 100%. And uh, we'll see if Jay Crowder can consistently hit the three like he did last night. Pretty solid. 17 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, a plus 21 on the floor. I mean, everybody clowns Jay Crowder. Just because he's missing threes? Oh, okay, that's like outliers, folks. I mean, that's not really what his game is. He's a great defender and a uh, decent, I'm not going to say great, a decent, efficient three-point shooter, but his defense is truly what it is all about, and without Anthony Davis out on the floor, Jay Crowder is going to be eating defensively even more, so I I, I mean, we've been respecting Jay Crowder all, all season. We said he was a huge reason why the Heat even got to the finals last year, and that's a huge reason why the Heat lost this year, because they didn't have that good big that could also stretch the floor with the three ball. They didn't have that. The Heat didn't have that this season. So, I don't clown Jay Crowder. I think he's absolutely fantastic. The 17 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, a plus 21 on the floor, and he had 3 of 8 from the 3. Decent. I would like to see him a little bit more efficient, but 37%. It's not bad. It's above the average, so I'll give it to him. Um, and, you know, hitting 3, so we'll, we'll give him credit. But I want to see him, you know, get a little bit more efficient there, a little bit more consistent from the 3. But overall, his defense is fantastic, so we give him credit. DeAndre Ayton, 14 points, 17 rebounds, once again, eating up on the glass. And then McCall Bridges, 11 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. He shot 3 of 8 from the 3, just a plus 1 on the floor, so not the greatest. But luckily, everybody else was truly getting it done. And then Cameron Payne off the bench can rely on him. He's been having a great series so far. 13 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds, 1 of 4 from the 3, not the greatest, but 41% overall from the field. Once again, not the greatest, but he gave us 13 points, so I'll give him respect on that. Torrey Craig off the bench, only five points, five rebounds. Cameron Johnson off the bench, five points on six shots, not that efficient. So we know the Suns bench isn't that consistent. So luckily, Cameron Payne really being that kind of uh, a golden rose. I'm going to call him a golden rose for the Suns series. And that's kind of why Chris Paul also doesn't not, doesn't want to sit out because he's like, who, this bench is not good. I know Cameron Payne will step up for me, but who's going to step up step up for Cameron Payne who's stepping up for me? There's nobody. I can't rely. I can't rely on Cameron Johnson. I like Torrey Craig, but he hasn't really been that solid or consistent at all this season. A little bit better last year than he was this year. Not really finding his true uh, his true play in this uh, Suns team. All right, the Lakers now. LeBron, 25 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. He shot 1 of 7 from the 3. Not the greatest there, but led the team in scoring a plus 6 on the floor. We know that's what LeBron James does. Anthony Davis only played 19 minutes, six points, four rebounds. Then he got injured and left the game. He shot. He was shooting two of nine from the field as well before he left. 0 of three from the three. Not great. Andre Drummond only played 19 minutes as well, five points, ten rebounds, but a not minus ten or minus nine on the floor. 
Wesley Matthews stepping up because uh, KCP also did not play in this game. So Wesley Matthews slides over to the two. Lackluster performance, six points, two rebounds in 25 minutes, a minus 15 on the floor. The worst on the squad, truly not great. And then Dennis Schroeder. Eight points on 23% shooting. Once again, Chris Paul out there locking him up, and he can't do anything. Once again, Dennis Schroeder winning game number three because Chris Paul was really kind of not on the floor, and uh, you know now he's uh, you know getting locked back up by Chris Paul. Kyle Kuzma off the bench, 11 points, four rebounds, two assists on 36% shooting, one of five from three. Once again, Kyle Kuzma needs to step up. I mean, this is the only time we need Kyle Kuzma to be good when there's no Anthony Davis, when there's no KCP, but he still can't even do that. A minus 13 on the floor for Kyle Kuzma in 25 minutes. Minutes. I mean, Alex Caruso had a good game. 10 points, 3 rebounds, but he was a plus 8 on the floor. I mean, Kyle Kuzma, can you please step up for this Lakers team? It's never, Kyle Kuzma never steps up when you need him to. When everything's going good and is hunky-dory, then Kyle Kuzma, you know, is having a good game. But when they rely on this man, he never steps up to the occasion. And with Anthony Davis, questionable for game 5, Kyle Kuzma, you gotta get it done, dude. You gotta get it done. LeBron James gets it done every game. You just need to get it done in selective games. And this is a selective game you need to get done on so we'll track what Kyle Kuzma can do and let's also shout out uh, Marcus Gasol pretty much getting it done 12 points 8 rebounds in 23 minutes because you know splitting minutes with Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis going out you need Mark Marcus all on there so Marky uh, uh Harold still not getting a lot of play I'm not a big fan of that I would like to see him get a lot more time but you know I'm not Frank Vogel unfortunately so the Suns get the win tie up the series 2-2 very well done Alrighty, the Nets and the Celtics, and man, oh man, the Nets, man, oh man, folks, the Nets, big three, got it absolutely done, I think outscored the entire Celtics by themselves, uh, no Kemba Walker for the Celtics, we didn't know that before we chose our Celtics plus seven, no, um, uh, they're big, they're other big besides Tristan Thompson, I'm blanking on the name, um, George, it's not George Williams, it's not Grant Williams, and it's not George, it's, is it George Williams, that doesn't sound right, I'm blanking on the name, and I apologize. But um, no other big. Once again, we did not know that before we made our bet. So the Nets absolutely blow out the Celtics, 141 to 126. And it was in part because of the big three here. And that's what makes this Nets team so frustrating to go against. James Harden, 23 points, 18 assists. 18 assists, folks. James Harden is the leader, is the captain of this Nets team. I don't want to hear anything else about it. If James Harden was not on this team, this Nets team would not be as good as they were. James Harden is able to facilitate the floor with Kyrie Irving and with Kevin Durant, who are all ball dominant. Plus, James Harden is still able to get 23 points on 67. 6% shooting himself, so he's able to facilitate the floor and score the ball. Kyrie Irving cannot do that. He can score the ball, but he cannot facilitate the floor as well as James Harden does, so James Harden is truly the pinnacle of this Nets team, and anybody that says elsewise, you're wrong. You're wrong. 100% wrong, so I give so much credit. He was the he would have been the MVP if he stayed healthy 1,000%, but just last night, 23 points and 18 assists. Oh my gosh. Give respect to James Harden, folks, and a lot of people are clowning Charles Barkley last night for saying, um, what do you say, uh, James Harden is the best one-on-one -on -one player that he's seen, and a lot of people were like, oh, even Shaq almost walked off set because it was so blasphemous to talk about, 
He's kind of right. He can fit. Oh, my gosh. James Harden deserves so much more respect. And I, I would say James Harden is better than Kyrie Irving, a thousand percent. I've got no problem saying that. I can't go as far as saying he's better than James Har uh, Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant is one of the most lethal shooters out there. Um, if it wasn't for Steph Curry, Kevin Durant would be the most lethal shooter out here in the NBA currently. Unfortunately, I'm giving it to Steph Curry a little bit, a little bit over Kevin Durant, but it's 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 it is a tight race. Don't get me wrong. But uh, James Harden, 23 points, 18 assists, five rebounds, 66 percent, magnificent. Kyrie Irving, 39 points, 11 rebounds, two assists, two steals. He shot six of 12 from three, 45 percent on 24 shots, but he got it done. I'll give it to him. Blake Griffin still at the five, two points, two rebounds in 18 minutes. He's a plus 12 on the floor. He's just having success because the Celtics don't have that good bigs either. Wait till Blake Griffin has to go and face Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Good luck. That's a loss. We've seen it already. It's a loss. And if you somehow manage to win that seven-game series, well, good luck against um, Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid down low, Blake Griffin, because the defense is coming to clamp you up. So. Um, you know, get all the praise and recognition now when it's against the Celtics. Everybody's saying Blake Griffin's good. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Joe Harris, 14 points, and I love it, man. Joe Harris, man, can still be efficient even though J Kevin Durant had 42 points, Kyrie Irving had 39 points, James Harden had 23 points, and Joe Harris... 14 points on 4 or 5 from the 3. I mean, absolutely fantastic, man. I, that's why I respect Joe Harris. Joe Harris, Bogdanovich's, Tobias Harris. I mean, folks, it's the Harris's and the Bogdanovich's. The most consistent non-superstars in this league. I give so much respect and credit for them. That's how you play the position. That's how you get it done on a team full of kind of superstars. Those Harris's and Bogdanovich's, they're not kind of the second option. They're kind of the third, fourth options on their team. Fifth options. Joe Harris is the fifth option on this team. Maybe fourth instead of Blake Griffin. Um... But Joe Harris, man, got to give so much respect to this man. Efficient as always, ready to go as always. We'll get it done. We'll stretch the floor. We'll, you know, because you got to worry about Durant. You're going to worry about Irving. You're going to worry about Harden before Harris. And that leaves him open a lot of times. And he's cashing out four of five from three, folks. Efficient as heck. Danny Green doesn't do that. Danny Green never does that. Don't get me started on Danny Green. Uh, Bogdanovich's and Harris's are way better than Danny Green's. And Danny Green's got more rings than all of them combined, I think. It's crazy. Uh, so, I, I mean, am Joe Harris a plus 17 on the floor? Nobody else was a – he was the highest plus minus. Ugh, fantastic. Joe Harris, man. Oh, man. I, I could talk about Joe Harris all day, man. Absolutely magnificent. Truly slept under the radar. And you got to give him his respect. Like I said, I'm giving out fifth man of the year awards. Non-superstars that are always so consistent in the starting lineup. Bogdanovich's, they get it. And the Harris's, they get it as well. I'm giving out four fifth man of the year awards. I don't care. Absolutely fantastic. And then Kevin Durant, 42 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds. He shot 70%, 3 of 3 from the 3. Lethal, easy, money sniper. Y'all know how the man does. But 42 gosh darn points. Woo-hoo-hoo. Man, fantastic here. Alrighty, the Nets off the bench. Nicholas Claxton, 0 points, 1 rebound, and a plus 14 in 7 minutes, folks. Absolutely love it. Nicholas Claxton is going to have to get a bigger role if they want to beat the Bucks in the 76ers. But, uh... Steve Nash, for some reason, has no interest. There's no reason Nicholas Claxton should have played only seven minutes last night. 
against this Celtics team that you were easily dominating besides the first quarter. I mean, what the hell is going on? Laundry Shaman's getting more minutes than Nicholas Claxton. Uh, five points on 50% shooting. Only a plus six in those 13 minutes as well. And then Bruce Brown, 14 points, seven rebounds off the bench. And that's what makes this team so great, folks. They are deep as deep can be. Joe Harris, besides the big three. Bruce Brown, besides the big three. And they're still able to get it done. So, man, oh, man. Um, gotta love this Nets team, man. They're, they're not my favorite personality group. But, man, oh, man, can they play basketball? <laughs> can they freaking play basketball? Absolutely. All right, the Celtics now. Jason Tatum get, didn't go for 50. He went for 40. Um, and then everybody else kind of floundered here. So, uh, Marcus Smart goes to the one. Romeo Langford goes to the two because no Kemba Walker. Marcus Smart, 16 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds. He shot 2 of 9 from the 3. Not the greatest there. Romeo Langford in the starting lineup, 9 points on 6 shots. Tristan Thompson had a great game 3, struggled in the game 4, 5 points and 6 rebounds. Jason Tatum, 40 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds. He's trying his damnedest out there, but just nobody can give him solid help. And, I mean, they did put up uh, what they, they did put up 126 points. It's just the scoreability of the Nets, man. It's just too much. Evan Fournier had a decent game, 16 points, 2 of 9 from the 3, not efficient. But 16 points is not bad. Um, we definitely needed him to step it up a little bit more. But what are you going to do? Um, so... The bench, Peyton Pritchard, 12 points. I love seeing that. 12 points on 55% shooting, 3 assists, 3 rebounds. Aaron Nesmith, 11 points on 66% shooting. Jabari Parker, 10.6 rebounds on 80% shooting, a plus 9 on the floor as well. So the Celtics really just were missing uh, Tristan Thompson being a solid big down low and Kemba Walker. So I still think the Celtics team has a has an opportunity they are down 3-1 which is never good but uh, the Celtics they can maybe win another game here it's gonna be tough but uh, if Kemba Walker is good to go and Jason Tatum can keep it up they may may be able to cover the spread and win our bet maybe if we get them plus seven next uh, but they lose again the Nets just man oh man it's just a big three you can't stop it Alrighty, and then the last game of the night, the Clippers and the Mavericks. Clippers getting back on track. The defense absolutely smothering the Mavericks. They only put up 81 points, and when that scoreability is not there, the Mavericks have nothing else to rely on. So here we go. Luka Doncic, only 19 points. He had six assists and six rebounds, but one of seven from the three and 37% on 24 shots. Absolutely not good. Tim Hardaway Jr. had a bum game. Four points, one assist, one rebound on one of eight from the field. Not getting it done. Maxi Kleber, zero points, five rebounds, a minus 25 on the floor. Not getting it done down low, which we know. Porzingis, 18 points, five rebounds. Dorian Finney-Smith, eight points, eight rebounds. I mean, there's just nobody putting up points here. Off the bench, Boban Marjanovic, 12 points, six rebounds. I love that this man's getting a little, more, little bit more playtime out here. Uh, he definitely should be out on the floor over Maxi Kleber, in my opinion. But I'm glad that he's finally getting some minutes out here. 14 minutes. Love to see it. And then Josh Richardson, five points on seven shots, three rebounds, not getting it done. But Boban Marjanovic, I mean, Marjanovic, I mean, a plus three, the only player that, the only player on the team that was a plus. I mean, get him out on the floor a little bit more, especially with Maxi Kleber. I mean, uh, is Maxi Kleber that much of a better center than Boban Marjanovic? I mean, Boban, he's got the height, obviously. The defense, not the greatest, but the scoreability, it's there. And this is what the Mavericks need. I mean, if you're going to go all in on scoreability and no defense, get Boban in that starting lineup, folks. 
So everybody floundered on that Mavericks team last night where the Clippers, Kawhi, 29 points, 10 rebounds. He shot 73% on 15 shots, efficient as all heck. Uh, Marcus Morris, 9 points, 8 rebounds. Nicholas Batum, 10 points, 5 rebounds. Paul George, 20 points, 9 rebounds. He shot 37%. Once again, not the greatest out there. Reggie Jackson, 15 points, 5 rebounds. Love seeing that man out there in the starting lineup. That's what we want. That's what we're seeing. And that's why the Clippers are winning. So fantastic there. Zubak off the bench, 5.7 rebounds. Rondo, 7 points, 14. Uh, four assists, five rebounds. So not the best scoring team, the Clippers. I mean, they only put up 106 points. That's like, like if they have to face the Nets, they're not going to get it done. They don't have that score ability. But the defense, I mean, if the Mavericks are having an off night, this Clippers team can clamp on them. And that's what they've been doing these last two games. So is, uh, you know, is the defense able to hold here for this Clippers team? We'll see what happens in game five, but it's in LA. So not the greatest position to be in, be in for this Mavericks team, but the silver lining of the series, the Mavericks, they won on the road. So let's see if they can get it done again. But uh, that's where we're at with uh, this Clippers Maverick series all tied up real wonky, both winning two games on the road. And we'll see what, uh, what the tiebreaker of game five is going to be. Uh, who's going to go up three, two and uh, put themselves in prime position to win the series. All right, that was all the NBA from last night. So let's see what's on tap today and do our moneymaker for tonight's action. So here we go. Two games on. The 76ers and the Wizards. 76ers have a chance to close out the sweep. They would be the only other team to sweep the series. No other team can. It's only the Bucks and potentially the 76ers if they can get it done tonight. And then the Jazz and the Grizzlies, 9.30 on TNT. I would love to see this Grizzlies team tie up the series. They cannot get into foul trouble, and we'll see how uh, the referees are calling this game. So let's uh, update these lines, get these lines up to date, and get our winners for our moneymaker. Let's get it done tonight, folks. Two games. Let's hit them both. Here we go. 76ers and the Wizards. 76ers minus 8.5. Wizards plus 8.5. How unfortunate. What was it? Like 6? We only had to swallow 6 last game. We got to swallow 8 here. So everybody's good to go for the 76ers. And then for the Wizards, Russell Westbrook game time decision. You know he's going to play. Ish Smith game time decision as well. So we'll see if he's good to go. So, we're going to take the 76ers minus 8.5 here, folks. I mean, the Wizards do not have the good bigs to handle Joel Embiid. That is all it comes down to. Um, the offense, the starting lineup for the 76ers are also getting it done offensively. You can count on everybody. Seth Curry's been having a good series. Danny Green's been getting involved. Ben Simmons efficient. And uh, Tobias Harris, you know, he's always reliable. So, uh, the, uh, the 76ers have a great starting lineup. And the Wizards just don't have the firepower to keep up. They don't have the bigs to keep up. They don't have the firepower to keep up either. So we're going to swallow the 76ers eight and a half here. They get the sweep done. Um, Russell Westbrook tries his damnedest, and we're, we'll give him credit for it. But uh, if they want to have a chance to win, you better start Daniel Gafford. If you're starting Alex Len, it's automatically game over. You've got nothing to lose, Wizards. Um, who is it? Uh, Scott Brooks. Is that who the head coach is? I think that's his name. So Scott Brooks, I mean, you better freaking put Daniel Gafford at the starting five if you want a chance to win. We haven't seen it yet. We'll see if they mix up their starting lineup. But uh, 76ers minus eight. There's just there's nothing that has shown me in these first three games that the Wizards can keep up scoring. There's nothing. So uh, we'll take we'll swallow the eight and a half. All right, then the Jazz and the Grizzlies. Jazz minus 5.5, Grizzlies plus 5.5, and, and I'm going to give it up for this Grizzlies team. I'm getting no information on the ins and out here, so real interesting. Let's go to NBA Fantasy Labs. Here we go. What do we got? Anything for this? Uh, 
We got Anthony Davis update. Unlikely to play on Tuesday. Interesting there. Uh, we didn't think he was going to play. Um, but we got no other news on... Uh, no news on this Grizzlies team. Really interesting. Well, we're going to assume everybody's playing here. Dylan Brooks needs to stay out of foul trouble. Those ticky-tack three-point calls, man. How lame in game three, man. Truly lame and really kind of ruining the game. They called multiple three-point fouls on Danny Green that really, really weren't that anything, folks. Um, so if the Grizzlies can stay out of foul trouble, they can handle this Jazz team. And this Grizzlies team, they need to tie up the series. If they go down 3-1, go, going back to Utah, it's a wrap, folks. It's going to be a wrap. But uh, I'm going to take this Grizzlies team plus 5.5. This is a must-win game for them. Their defense has shown this entire series that they can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Jazz. They just need their shooters to be a little bit more consistent from the get-go. They've been playing down big this, this entire series besides Game 1, and that was no Donovan Mitchell in that game. Donovan Mitchell, a little banged up. He's not playing that many minutes in this series either. So this Grizzlies team, they've got the defense to handle the Jazz. They just can't get in foul trouble, and the offense needs to be going early, often, right from the jump. So we're going to bet that this Grizzlies team can get it done at home because they want to go in 2-2 back to the Jazz. If they go down 3-1, it's a death sentence, and they're going to be wrapping up the series. But we need to see John Morant be a little bit more efficient right from the get-go as well. And uh, like we said, Dylan Brooks cannot get into foul trouble at all. And that's what it's been this entire series, and it's so frustrating to watch because it kind of seems like, to me, a little bit, the refs have a little bit of a vendetta against this Grizzlies team for some reason. Whether it was they were the ninth seed, won the playing tournament, whether it's the Jazz the one seed, they want to have their ratings good because they already don't have the Warriors in and the Lakers could potentially be out. They don't want a ninth seed in the playoffs. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I don't like the way that the refs have been calling this series. I'll leave it at that. So our moneymaker for tonight's action, 76ers minus 8.5 and, and the Grizzlies plus 5.5. Alrighty, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day. And let's get ready for some playoff basketball tonight. Uh, two games on, and we'll see if the 76ers can sweep, sweep it up. So we're back tomorrow, live noon Eastern, doing it all again, uh, doing what we do here. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.